AM. American Majority. Days of Revolution is a podcast series brought to you by AmericanMajority.org. This is Ned Ryan, and welcome to Episode 15, Patrick Henry and the Virginia Resolves. The summer of 1765 commenced with an uproarious reactionary cry from all 13 American colonies as they began to feel the effects of the Stamp Act. By far the most inflammatory resolution passed by Parliament thus far, the Stamp Act levied a tax on all printed documents in the American colonies. Parliament unabashedly intended to extract revenue from the colonies with this tax as a payment for a massive contingent of British soldiers stationed in North America. The colonies were left in a predicament because they had no direct representatives in the British Parliament, and thus cries of taxation without representation abounded. The political gulf between the colonies and their mother country meant that the colonists had no established means by which to bring objections to the royal government. We take it for granted today that if we wish to talk to the federal government, or any government officials, we can call our representative and bring our concern to him or her. That is the channel of communication that has been set up between the citizens and the government. In contrast, the colonists could speak to no one in their supreme government, and even diplomatic envoys sent directly to Parliament by the colonial governments had a difficult time obtaining an audience with royal officials. In other words, the colonists had no institutionalized conventional avenue of recourse by which to deal with their grievances against the Stamp Act, so they were left to their own devices to come up with new, more noticeable means of objection. The first major display of defiance occurred in Virginia in May of 1765. The House of Burgesses, the oldest legislative body in the oldest British American colony, passed a series of stipulations known as the Virginia Resolves, under the coaxing of then-junior Burgess, Patrick Henry. These resolutions are hailed by many American historians as the first shots of the American Revolution, and were certainly the first formal effort by a colony to oppose the Stamp Act, beginning a trend of many more. Patrick Henry, a lawyer-turned-politician from just north of Richmond, Virginia, was at the time a relatively little-known representative in the Virginia legislature. Those who knew him generally considered him a radical with a talent for persuasive speech. His gift for oratory would be immortalized ten years later in his famous Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech. But he began displaying his pugilistic style in the immediate wake of the Stamp Act's passage. Henry penned the Virginia Resolves himself, and he shrewdly waited for a day when most of the Virginia conservatives were not in attendance at the House. On May 29, 1765, Henry introduced the Resolves and fought ferociously for their passage. Now, before I go into the exciting account of the debate over the Resolves, it's important for us to know what they said. The document is a short and concise one, stating four simple truths about the way that government and taxation should work. The first point states that when the first colonists came to Virginia over one and a half centuries before, they brought with them the rights of Englishmen, and they passed these same rights to their posterity. This implied that just as being English was hereditary and could be passed through family lineage, the rights of an English subject could be passed in the same way. No amount of time away from the homeland or divergence in cultural practices could decrease a person's Englishness. This became an important argument against the Stamp Act, as well as against later taxes. The second point argued that based on British legislative and judicial precedent, the Virginia colonists were no different from any person living in Britain. 
and they were entitled to all the same rights and privileges. The third point states that by British tradition, people should only be taxed by themselves or by representatives that they'd elected. The House argued that this principle was a safeguard against arbitrary and burdensome taxation, and that those who vote for taxes should also have to live under them. Moreover, the resolves point to this principle as the distinguishing characteristic of British freedom. In other words, the right of a people to representation in decisions about taxation was essential to their Britishness, and without it they were living below or underneath the standard of freedoms guaranteed to them by their English blood. Finally, the fourth resolution argued that for the whole of its existence until that point, the Virginia colony had enjoyed a life of freedom and legitimate rule without interruption. The implication here was that the Stamp Act was a step too far, an infringement on the way of life of Virginians, and that it ended the era of legitimate government and the fundamentally English existence in the New World. Now, when I say English existence, I am referring to a particular definition of what it means to be English. According to historian Clinton Rossiter, to be English in the 18th century was to enjoy the right to individual liberty and to be a self-governing society. In fact, because of their isolation, their localized government, and their democratic assemblies, the American colonies had the potential to be more English than the English, in the words of Rossiter. Several of the Virginia resolves show us that Patrick Henry adopted the same definition, such as the third resolve in which he mentions British freedom considering the two to be inextricably linked. In addition, in the first and second resolves, Henry argues that the rights of Englishmen pass from one generation to the next. This indicates that he considers these rights to be timeless and fundamental, and thus as central to the character of an Englishman as the blood in his veins. Rossiter's definition of Englishness is significant for us because we must understand that Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, and many other would-be revolutionaries made no distinction between being English and being free and self-governed. If this was the case, and all Englishmen were to enjoy a right to freedom and representation, then what did the imposition of the Stamp Act say about their status as Englishmen? It gradually became clear to the Founding Fathers that although they were English in their own eyes, they were no longer seen as such on the other side of the ocean. The Virginia Resolves were Patrick Henry's final effort to cling to the colonist dignity in the eyes of their mother country, and they were ultimately unsuccessful in doing so. Now, interestingly, a fifth resolution was also adopted on May 29th, but was repealed by a separate vote the very next day, when the conservatives could amass a better presence in the House. This fifth resolve stated that the Virginia General Assembly was the only body with the authority to tax Virginians, and any attempt by another government, in this case Parliament, to collect taxes from Virginians had a manifest tendency to destroy British as well as American freedom. Now, the words of this statement made it quite clear why it was repealed the day after it was passed. First of all, the, the claim that the Virginia government had the sole authority to tax the people of Virginia was radical and unprecedented. The Crown would certainly not stand for such a claim, as Parliament had taxed the colonists without substantial protests for centuries. Second of all, the mention of American freedom was new and also radical. American freedom from what? Given Patrick Henry's reputation, we can probably infer that he meant freedom from overbearing rule by the Crown. Nonetheless, the concept of a distinct American freedom was new, unfamiliar, and dangerous for a colony that had not yet considered independence in its wildest dreams. 
Being the great orator that he was, Henry gave a passionate speech in support of the Virginia Resolves on the day he introduced it. Unfortunately, the complete text of what became known as the treason speech did not survive. However, the last lines of the speech are well remembered because they were the most controversial by far. During his argument, Henry repeatedly accused the conservatives in the House of cowardice. They saw the same injustice as he did, Henry argued, but they were afraid to stand up to the tyranny of the crown. They knew as well as he did that they had no representation in Parliament and that the rights of Englishmen dictated that no man should be taxed without his consent. The facts were plain for all to see, and so Patrick Henry concluded that only cowardice or corruption would keep a representative from voting for the Virginia Resolves. He concluded his speech with an appeal to historical precedent, saying, Caesar had his Brutus, Charles I his Cromwell, and George III may profit by their example. At the mention of King George's name, the house erupted with cries of treason and silence him, to the extent that Henry had to shout above the crowd to finish his sentence. As the story goes, he then concluded his speech with the famous line, If this be treason, make the most of it. Now, as iconic as that final line is, historians dispute its legitimacy. Most contend that it was not actually spoken by Henry, but was attributed to him at a later date. Nonetheless, his talk of Brutus and Cromwell nearly had him arrested for treasonous speech. After he had concluded, the Speaker of the House reprimanded Henry for his inflammatory words, and Henry issued an immediate apology on the floor, swearing his loyalty to the king once again. Immediately after Henry took his seat, the House passed the Virginia Resolves by a narrow vote of 20 to 19. News of the passage of the Resolves spread throughout the colonies via the press and correspondence, and the other colonies took up the mantle of Virginia's defiance. Colonial legislatures sent envoys to Britain to lobby for the repeal of the Stamp Act. Most notable, notable among these was Benjamin Franklin, who crossed the ocean to represent his native Pennsylvania. Other colonies passed similar formal resolutions condemning the Stamp Act and asserting colonial sovereignty more strongly than ever before. Public demonstrations broke out in the streets of large cities such as Boston and New York City, and the secret organizations like the Sons of Liberty and the Liberty Boys exploded in numbers and activity. And these were only some of the immediate effects of the Virginia Resolves. However, the most important legacy of the Resolves lies in the idea that they contain. The ideas of a separate American freedom, a colony's right to be sovereign over its own people without interference, and the passage of timeless rights through heredity without decay were crucial to the spread of the revolutionary spirit in the 1760s and 70s. These were the ideas that every colonist, regardless of class or background, could get behind. The fact that the general feeling in Virginia was so ubiquitously bitter towards the Stamp Act as to warrant a legislative resolution condemning it was a powerful display of the Act's infamy. The Virginia Resolves did not go unnoticed. Patrick Henry's radical, uncompromising defense of the rights of Virginia and Virginians gave courage to the colonists inside and outside the colony. The resolves also brought a feeling of solidarity and commiseration to the colonists. Just as they had united against France during the French and Indian War, now they were beginning to unite as they suffered together under the growing oppression of their mother country. This union would grow stronger as the years went by, as the acts compounded, and as more and more colonists realized that their liberty was worth fighting for. Now, remember that in 1765, the idea of revolution had not yet entered the minds of the patriots. 
Even Patrick Henry apologized immediately after his treason speech. However, it would not be long before the colonists would decide that their status as Englishmen was forfeit, as they could not enjoy their God-given rights to individual liberty and self-governance. The Virginia Resolves were a last-ditch effort to enumerate and preserve those rights, but the eventual outcome was secession and revolution. We'll continue this journey to that critical moment in the next installment. Days of Revolution is a podcast series brought to you by AmericanMajority.org and written by Ned Ryan and Eric Josephson and recorded by Ned Ryan. If you enjoy this podcast on American history, be sure to check out the History of the Constitutional Convention by Ned Ryan at AmericanMajority.org or on iTunes. (laughs) 